Taylor Swift, Ticketmaster, huge debacle. Had Web3 been a bigger part of it, how could have this had happened versus how we know it happened? How this could be avoided is verified ticketing companies where you can verify tickets on the blockchain. You can verify artist fandom on the blockchain, right? You know, she could, if she was selling music NFTs or even just some sort of loyalty system using uh, the blockchain. Ticketmaster, for better or worse, is working on their own blockchain solutions as well. I think that's really what it comes down to is for her direct consumer contact, knowing their information, being able to set up ways for them to buy tickets without the middleman to do that for them. Hey, everybody. You're listening to the Built on Web3 podcast, your on-ramp into the world of Web3. On this show, we chat with product leaders, builders, content creators, and business owners about how they're implementing Web3 strategies into their businesses. I hope you learned something new and enjoy today's episode. All right, Doug, we're so excited to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you. Very excited to be here. Can't wait to uh, have a good chat with you guys. Yeah. So give us a little background on who you are and what you're working on right now. Yeah. So a little bit of background about me. My, you know, my name is Doug Pickett. Um, you know, I recently started my own company called Freshmaker Industries, uh, as you see on the nice t-shirt my wife had made for me. Um, nice. You know, a little bit about what I'm working on here in Web3 is, you know, I work as part of really the, the music Web3 and NFT scene. Um, and, you know, as you guys know, with where the markets are at and as things shift, you know, the the day-to-day of what I'm working on can shift, but overall big picture, I would say it's, you know, about helping artists learn, you know, musicians and artists learn this new Web3 space, help them navigate, you know, the trials and tribulations of, you know, what could happen as far as, you know, learning the technology, learning security, uh, learning how, like, you know, the music industry can work with some of these new technologies. Um as well as focused on a lot of event stuff, you know, metaverse events, um, you know, physical and real life event planning, you know, got some things coming up with Art Basel with uh, a couple of different projects. So, you know, just overall, you know, high level working with uh, musicians in the new Web3 space and just trying to learn as much as we can and, uh, you know, drive as much growth as, for these folks as we can. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's why we're all here. We're all we're all learning. Nobody knows it all yet. Yes, very much learning, which I think is like one of the things that got me really excited about, you know, this new scene, right? Like it's it's a whole new world to learn, new technologies, new principles. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's really, it, it is our oyster as much as some days it may not necessarily feel like that, right? <laughs> kind of going on around us, right? Yeah, yeah. So how would you describe like what you do to someone who doesn't know Web3? Like, do you identify as like a consultant or like what do you say to people that aren't in Web3 necessarily? Yeah, that's interesting. So, um, so typically, what I'll tell people is that you know I'm a consultant. I consider my my company basically a consulting firm um, because I don't have I'm not a developer myself, right? So this space is a really heavily driven by you know the developers and then the people creating the art. Um, I really do neither. You know, my background is in business as like a salesperson and a, a coach and a, you're really a business person. So. I bring those skills here to really be like a consultant, you know, help people, you know, learn new things, help them, you know, connect dots with other people who may be doing uh, similar things that they're doing or complementary, and, you know, just helping, you know, businesses and artists learn kind of like what Web3 is and how do we navigate it. 
when you teach artists, you know, what Web3 is, how do you explain it to the, er, them? Or is there anything that you uh, compare to to just get it to click for them? You know, it's interesting because, you know, the ideals of Web3 are really, I'm starting to learn, they can be different for everybody, right? Um, a lot of people focus solely on like decentralization. We want it to be as decentralized as possible. And like, we're definitely seeing a ton of benefits for that. But then we're also seeing other people who say like, hey, maybe I, I don't necessarily care about the decentral decentralization aspect of it, but it is a new way to build community or a new way to build um, you know, a fan base for musicians and really just new technology to be able to provide, you know, art and music in a different way. So, I mean, for me, like as a, so as my, as my background, like I'm actually a, a financial advisor by trade. Um, you know, I was a financial advisor for about eight years. Um, so, you know, built up a bit of like a sales and coaching process and a questioning strategy that I've kind of tried to bring to this space. Um, and I see a lot of people want to immediately go into like, here's why web three for you and why you should look into web three. And for me, like when I talk to somebody, one of the first things I always ask them is like, well, what brought you here in the first place? Right? Like most of my conversations with people who are new aren't necessarily like me going out and preaching the gospel and being like web three, come on, you artists need to come get involved with this because of, you know, X, Y, and Z, because you do see a lot of artists show up and have been preached. Like this is a new way to come make a lot of money. Well, like right now, it's not really necessarily a way to make a lot of money, right? Like, you know, a lot of this is we're really just building from the ground up. Maybe six to eight months ago, people were making a lot more, but, you know, things shift in the market. So for me, I, I like to ask, like, what has you interested in Web3 and what do you know about it? And then I can tailor the conversation from there because you know, there are different benefits to different people. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you're working with kind of the early adopters, um, who are musicians or artists and they, they already kind of know what three is. They hear maybe their friends are making money with NFT collections. Um, so you don't have to like start from scratch every time, which I think makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. You know, a lot of like the connections I make are really via, you know, Twitter um, for better or worse. And, you know, just various like, you know, discords where a lot of this stuff happens. Um, you know, I think we'll start to see some of that shift too, you know, with different like tools and ways we communicate with each other. But a lot of those initial communications, at least, you know, by the virtual world is people who are like starting to dip their toe in and like have some questions and have a general understanding, but maybe they just haven't, you know, we all know what like our understanding was when we first got here. It was very like rudimentary one thing typically of like, here's what I know, let's dip our toe in. So yeah, I like to mm -hmm. kind of meet them where they're at. You know, what do you know? What's important to you? Why are you here? And then like guide the conversation from there. Um, yeah. What are some some typical answers to that question? Like, wh why are they there? Why are they reaching out? Why are they getting introduced to you? You see a lot of people that first one is is money, right? Which makes sense, right? Like the the kind of the crypto industry, most people have come here because they've heard like, oh, it's a gold rush. Oh, like people are selling, you know, art for, you know, several thousand dollars. So like, of course, an artist who's, you know, wants to make a living off their music, has been struggling to do so, um, you know, sees the way that, you know, the world has always been, of course, they're going to gravitate to this new space where they hear like, oh, I can hear there's money there. Um, so a lot of people, it is like the money thing. Um, and then, you know, less so, but still, you know, you still hear it as like the new technology, the new opportunities, you know, wanting to, you know, be able to do new things with art. But it really is, I mean, for most people you hear, oh, I heard there's good money here. 
when so when artists come to you and they're like oh like the money aspect do you mean the money that would be relevant from like uh the community building aspect or the money from streaming or exclusive releases or artwork or like where like where does it come where do you think like the biggest driver is on that I think, and I don't know, that's a good question. Um, I think a lot of it comes from like people thinking they're going to come and just like sell a lot of NFTs really fast. Um, you know, and I was involved with, so like I've been on the music web three scene for just over a year now. Um, and when I initially came in, it was very, you know, it was for me, I came in on a different, different angle. Cause I came in as a consumer of music, right? I came in as a music fan. I mean, you can see all the vinyl over here. Um, uh, you know, I came in as someone who spends money on music, likes to support artists. I found this as a new way to support artists. So for me, it was a little bit of the money, but it was on the flip side of like, mm-hmm. okay, how do I get new experiences? How do I get, you know, uh, new music and new, new ways to do things and new technology from this? I wasn't necessarily thinking on the flip model because like me coming from my background as a financial advisor, like the board ape thing, the crypto punk thing, like, it didn't make sense to me, admittedly, because I'm like, okay, you buy stocks in companies that are real from people who have backgrounds and you know who they are and like, mm-hmm. you know, create products and sell them and, and profit comes in. I'm like, wait a minute, people are buying and selling pictures of monkeys, basically, right? Like our mm-hmm. pixelated pictures of art that like admittedly really isn't that good, but it's not worth a lot of money, right? Like let's all, we can all be honest here, like, some of it's really great. Some of it's really not. Um, and so for me, like the whole NFT world, I was kind of watching it from afar. Like, what is this? This is a scam. This doesn't make sense, which like, okay, well, maybe there are some scams out there. We're starting to find out, um, you know, just a few. Um, but for me, you know, I wasn't coming in with the idea of like, how do I make money off of this? And then for me, it kind of turned into not necessarily like, how can I make money? But like, how can I find a way to use the skills I've built to like make a living. Right. But also doing it by uplifting other creators and and helping people, you know, make a living selling this art. So like for me, I came first really for the art. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it turned into like, Oh, there's some business here. There's some actually interesting communities and things that are happening in the community place. What were really interesting to me, the like people coming together and, creating and being able to you know basically make these businesses together mm-hmm. and present them to the world right we're like we haven't had as much as an opportunity to do that so i think for everybody like the money is at some point it, it is an aspect right like that's it drives a lot of what we do but for me you know i always will want to take a step back with the people who say like i am here for the money and like you kind of have to explain like listen like those a lot of those sales that you've seen from those big pieces from artists like they may not necessarily always be on the up and up you know they may not necessarily uh that's not necessarily going to be what happens for every creator so like a lot of it is kind of like retraining and like reteaching people like hey yeah there's money here but like really here's why i do it and here's how i see the importance so um that was probably a really long answer, <laughs> really long answer to a question to basically say like, yeah, when they want to talk about the money, like I'll let them know like, yeah, the money is, you know, there is a possibility here, but it's definitely not an immediate thing. It's not a fast cash grab these days. And mm-hmm. it does take a lot of work and you are building a business and you're building a career. So like 
what reasons are you here for? You know what I mean? And, and yep. I've had people tell me like, oh, wow, like I'm good. Like, and they're like, oh, the money's really not that great. Like, okay, fine. I'm not going to worry about it. And then you always have, you know, a ton of people who are like, that makes sense. But like, they see the other benefits. So, you know. So if, if people come in usually because of the money and you were kind of attracted by that too, but then you see the community yeah. aspect evolve from that, where do you, where do you think, do you think people are going to be attracted to web three? by something else other than money two or three years from now, once the starts becoming a little bit more mainstream and understood? And that's a, that's a really good question because I've been trying to think a lot about this recently um, with, you know, where we're at, everything going on in the market. I mean, a lot of NFTs basically going to zero um, and people have been calling this, right. But I think, you know, as humans, we've always got that wishful thinking of like, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about, right? Like, yeah, this you know picture of this cartoon that I bought is gonna make me a millionaire, and and I say this as someone who has bought, who has now bought a lot of pictures of cartoons, in hopes that they will return some value, right? So like, I've gone against literally everything I've ever been trained for of like also kind of chasing that dream, right? It happens, and there's people that have made a ton of money doing it, um, but um, you know so. I do think, I think we're going to see a drastic shift. Um, I think there are a lot of people who have been here specifically to try to make money, you know, flip, whatever it is, scams, you know, however they want to do it. I do think we've seen a lot of those people leave. And I think a lot of the people that are here right now are here because they believe in the technology and they believe in the power of like what the community is building. So, you know, I do think that, the decentralization factor and the community factor is what can help push web three along. Um, and like specifically looking at music where I spend most of my time, we're seeing people here that are still selling music. You know, they're still earning, like there's still volume in like, there's still a huge amount of interest in music. I think, well, let me back up. I would say a huge amount of interest. I would say, there's a lot of interest compared to where we were at this point last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the growth really has been phenomenal. Um, are the majority of music listeners here? Absolutely not. We probably have like 1% of the music you know, listeners in the world, if that here. So, um, but I think as people start to come in, you have those conversations with people that are like, oh, wow, like this community is really powerful. Like I'm not going anywhere because I do think as we get more people here who like have done the research, know the technology, want to learn the technology. I think there are going to be groundbreaking businesses that happen here and it will be, you know, people here for the money. But I think it's just going to be a different, um, I'm trying to think of the best way for it. It's going to be a different like pot of money basically, right? It's not going to be this, I mean, basically a Ponzi scheme, right? It's not going to be <laughs> the Ponzi-nomics of like, all right, you buy this JPEG from me uh, because I'm telling you to, and I have like a million followers, and then you go and sell it to that guy. Like, it's not going to be that. It's going to be more of like like-minded people coming together, being able to use the technology to build a business out of it, mm-hmm. and then present to the world and say, "Hey, look what we built with the tech." Um, yep. That where I think people will still start to come in, and who knows how long it's going to be, right? Like everything going on FTX. I mean, I don't need to list off everything. Like we're probably set back quite a few years, but at the same time, as long as I think we've got enough. 
interesting, creative people who are willing to stay, willing to stick it out, willing to continue to drive the tech, drive the, the art, you know, it will come back and we will get that interest, but we're still, we're still where the use cases are like, you own this picture, not even you own this picture, you own the link to this picture on some file somewhere. Um, as we start to get away from some of that, I think that's where you're going to see a lot more interest in things. You know, mm-hmm. you already see it's like the Starbucks and Polygon and a lot of those other integrations. And you already start to see that stuff coming too. Yep. Yeah. So I keep hearing you say like community and technology and NFTs and blockchain. So what is it about Web3 that that unlocks this new type of business for music and for artists? Like, can you kind of explain what that is like tangibly? Yeah, so for, I think the easiest way to boil it down to is smart contracts and wallets. Um, You know, a big part of it is up to this point with, you know, we'll just cover the last, you know, really 15 years with streaming music, um, artists have been getting paid, you know, very little per stream. I mean, we all know that, right? and they're trying to find ways to better monetize their music. Um, that can be done with NFTs, digital collectibles. You know, you sell your music directly to a consumer for the price that you want to set, and you really can cut out the middleman. Um, so I think that's really the interesting component of it. Um, but for me, something that I think a lot of people aren't necessarily thinking about outside just the direct exchange of money is the exchange of data. Um, when we think about artists and their fans, unless you have some sort of robust mailing list that you've created over the years, um, you don't know your fans. Um, they listen to music primarily on a third-party streaming service that doesn't tell the artist who's listening to your music. They'll give you some data, right? Where are they listening? What cities? What states? But it doesn't tell you, like, who is this person? What's their email? How do you contact them to you know, build a relationship? Um, Web3, you can do all of that. You know, you sell your music to somebody, you know, well, let me back up. You can't necessarily do it all perfectly yet. Um, there are obviously a ton of hiccups, you know, Web3 music specifically, like this is beta mode, right? Like we're literally like building the tools, learning what works, learning what doesn't work. Companies are, you know, coming out of nowhere, going out of business. I mean, it is kind of a bit of the Wild West. So we don't have all the tools, but, you know, right now, like you could sell a music NFT to somebody, you know who they are, um, or you at least know their wallet address. You can see what else they listen to. You can see what else they've bought in that wallet. Um, A lot of times, you know, now they've got the ENS address. So like, you know who this person is. It's linked to their Twitter account. So you almost have this. It's not all the way there, but a direct line to the people who are buying your music. Artists have only had that with direct, you know, hand-to-hand sales or like their own merch site, which a lot of the artists coming up in Web3 aren't going to be at the point where they are necessarily launching a merch site and going out and selling a bunch of merch or selling a bunch of CDs to people, right? So I think that's the one big thing is like the data component. Um, If Twitter goes down, you know, you lose all your followers. If you get suspended from Twitter, you know, you lose all your followers and may not ever get them back. Um, if you have a hundred fans that have bought your music NFT, you have a pretty good idea who probably 80 of those a hundred are, and you can contact them directly at some point. So 
Um, and the tools are only going to get added from there. So I think that one is really like the power of the data, even more though, even more so than just the sales component of things. So you talked about the power of data at kind of uh, with a bunch of different topics, but I want to bring it to maybe like a specific use case and see, sure. especially since you're in the music industry, um, how this something could have played out differently and sure. like current events, like our very recent current events, Taylor Swift, Ticketmaster, yes. huge debacle, mm-hmm. like not connection of fans. Had she had a better kind of connection with her fans, had Web3 been a bigger part of it, how could have this had happened versus how we know it happened this time? That's a great point. Um, and perfectly timed because I was on one of the verified pre-sale lists, uh, not because I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan, shout out Taylor Swift, but because I have the credit card that got me on the list. I'm like, well, I'm going to buy these tickets. I didn't get tickets, um, even being on the initial pre-sale list. So, you know, and, and I love that you mentioned Taylor Swift because the way Taylor Swift came up was very much what the model of what a lot of these artists who uh, use Web3 are using, which she was in the trenches, you know, answering messages on Instagram. You know, like she is one of those artists who early on, like she was having conversations with her fans. She was getting after it, asking them what they wanted, you know, doing the meet and greets and all that stuff. So that's how she got this massive fan base, right? Like, um, you know, and I think we're seeing that as like, and this is even just to talk about the power of the artist too, and I can come back to this, but you know, how this, how this could be avoided is there's also blockchain ticketing companies being built, right? Like verified ticketing companies where you can verify tickets on the blockchain. You can verify artist fandom on the blockchain, right? You know, she could, if she was selling music NFTs or even just some sort of loyalty system using uh, the blockchain, not even necessarily selling NFTs, but just, you know, uh, like a point system for people who are super active on Twitter or, you know, go to a lot of her concerts, she would literally have, could have a list of like, here are my fans, here are the activities that they've taken. Here are the people who, you know, can buy these tickets verified only to their wallet address kind of eliminate scalpers in that way. Um, and then if they wanted to transition those tickets to somebody else, that's also verified on the blockchain where, you know, you don't have to worry about like, is this person selling me fake tickets? Like, you know, is StubHub, you know, or, or one of these companies going to get involved and take a huge fee out of it because I need them as the middleman and that's where they market it. So, I mean, really there's so many ways, but I think to really boil it down is, um, you know, into a couple of you know really key points is, you know, the verified information about your fans, you can essentially, you would be able to use that to allow list them into buying tickets as opposed to going through, you know, this ticket master system that like they have their own reasons, not to mention the fact that like, we all know that they also sell tickets to their own scalpers and have their own scalping systems at this point. So like also eliminate that if there is the right type of company or resource to provide all that. And there's companies that are working on it. And I've heard, you know, Ticketmaster for better or worse is working on their own blockchain uh, solutions as well. So I think it's going to be super interesting, but I think that's really what it comes down to is for her direct consumer contact, um, knowing their information, being able to set up ways for them to buy tickets without, you know, really the, the middleman to do that for them. 
is, I assume Web three is not ready for someone like Taylor Swift to no. to do, to try and sell, <laughs> you no. know, tickets to her show that she hasn't done in three years or four years, right? No, I mean, right, and like, like one hundred percent, like I would never be like, oh my gosh, why did you use Ticketmaster for this when you yeah. could have used like, it's like, no, that wouldn't have worked. We need to start that with, uh, you know, small up and coming artists who want to try something new, right? Um, yeah. The one thing that I liken this to that could be very interesting is I use J. Cole a lot as an example um, because J. Cole was a guy who, when he was coming up, he put out one of his very first mixtapes. And like, I remember being like, oh, wow, this is really good. If I could buy stock in this guy right now, like I would do that. Um, and I would have been right, right? And I could have been a very, you know, well, very wealthy individual for making that bet, looking at where <laughs> J. Cole is now. Um, but one thing that he did early on when it came to events was the Dollar and a Dream Tour, where he went out on, I think after his second album came out, he went out and did a tour where every ticket in the venue was $1, no matter where it was, the entire tour. And it was all because he was just trying to build new fans, give new fans a, a good experience and make them extremely loyal. Um, that's why I see there where there's an artist to have a huge opportunity like that with web three and with blockchain and even ticketing of like, Hey, you know, you guys go out and do these activities and like buy a couple music NFTs from me, come to my Twitter spaces, do whatever, you know, come to my virtual events. And then I will verify that you can have free tickets to my tours in these cities I think a moment like that, you know, with the right artist, with the right amount of steam, like today is not the day, but, you know, a year from now, maybe, I think that's the type of play that could really make, like, blockchain ticketing a huge reality and also make a star out of that artist, too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because it worked for J. Cole with, you know, I mean, he's also an incredible artist, but, you know, it worked really well for him. Like, he's built a fan base off of that tour that, you know, will always look back fondly on J. Cole because I saw him for a buck. That's awesome. Yeah. If, if you can kind of think forward maybe like 10 years where let's say we're all buying Taylor Swift tickets, it's in our wallet. What are some, like, what does that world look like for us? Is that it? Is that the end of our music NFT experiences? I buy tickets, it's in my wallet, I go to the show. Or like what else do you think Web3 will unlock? that is kind of like unique to web three. Cause I can almost see like, like Taylor Swift could airdrop whatever she wants into wallets all of a sudden, like something yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing is like the world is absolutely like, we don't know the possibilities to me really are endless. Um, there's an artist that I, I you know, work with and he's been doing really well. His name is Zand, um, Z-A-N-D. And um, he's been taking the model of like, he hasn't really been selling anything necessarily. He just did his first music NFT drop uh, a week ago. You know, he went out, he sold 50 plus copies, which is really successful for someone like doing it on their own contract, not on a platform. Um, and the reason he was able to do that and like some of the plans that he has is um, he's done a lot of virtual events, metaverse concerts, discord concerts for you know communities like Superfest and some others. Um, and what he does is he went out and he created his own like free NFT for each show. And it was kind of like a uh, like a POAP, you know, like a proof of attendance uh, protocol token, but on his own manifold contract. Um, every show that you go to, you know, virtually, you can go and mint one of these tokens. Um, 
and it goes in your wallet. That way he's starting to basically build that email list of like, here are my supporters. And then when it was time to come for him to do this first music NFT drop, he was already had an allow list set up of people of like, here's who can buy it for a reduced cost. Public sale will go out in a couple of days at you know the regular cost. So he's already getting people collecting his stuff because it's free, right? It's a couple bucks in gas. Um, it's really like, hey, this is a thank you to get you, you know, get some stuff in your wallet and like build that collector base. But then I know he also has plans for like as he grows and as he starts to tour, the people that have these tokens are going to get special privileges at his shows. Because um, like right now, I think there's just over 100 of them, right? He has over 100 people that have collected these. These are his day one fans where like, you know, this is a guy that I think will do very well. He uh, is incredible. You know, his first track's got almost 300,000 streams on it. Uh, wow. Totally organic. Um and, you know, he's moving very intentionally about like, how do I include the community? How do I, how do I build with these people? Not how do I build off of these people, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And you kind of describe their everyone's dream because we always say like, oh, I listened to Taylor Swift before she was Taylor Swift, right? And now you can verifiably prove it on the blockchain in this, exactly. you know, in this world where, where artists do this. Yes, exactly. It's the J. It's the J. Cole, right? Where it's like, <clears throat> if I could have gone and bought that mixtape as an NFT, I would have done it because I like at the time was like, I'm serious. I would love to invest in this guy if I could. Um, and same thing with Kendrick Lamar. It was like kind of the same time frame where I was like, oh, this guy's gonna be a star, right? Um, where it's like, if I could go back to, I think that was like 2010. Um, if I could go back to 2010 with a crypto wallet and be like, hey, look, I've got this, you know, PO app from attending a J. Cole event. You know, it's very much, you know, it's very much the argument that you hear people have where they're like, oh, well, I've been listening to Taylor Swift since this album. Or like, oh, check my DM. She DM'd me this one time back in 2000, whatever. Like, um, those arguments can very easily be solved. So, like, I think there's just so many interesting use cases that can be done that, like, we're really right now where it's like, if we want something, it's up to us to find someone to build it for us. Um which is a great thing. And it's also like, we're just so new that I think a lot of people have a tendency to want to get ahead of themselves and like try to push the scene a little harder when we may not be ready for it yet. Like it's a test case, like very much the artists who are here props to every single one of them. Right. Because like we all know NFTs have a bad reputation in the greater marketplace for so many reasons um some of them founded some of them completely unfounded um that like it is a risk for an artist to go out and say hey i'm going to start putting music on the blockchain and i'm going to start making music nfts you see large artists get blowback and like people unfollow for that and just lists of like you read the comments like oh wow these people really don't want you to do this so um I, I think it's going to take some special artists with some special fan bases to really break through. Um, but I think we're also at the, we're, we're going to start to get to the point where some of the natives who are already starting to build those careers are going to start to take off um, a lot, but it also comes down to really good music too. So like it's going to take the right artists making the right type of music um, in utilizing the technology the right way. What Doug, your comment and then Sean's comment too, about the whole, like I listened to them first um, it, it, the data play with that is almost akin to like, we're at the toddler 
phases and mm-hmm. phases right now with like Spotify giving you the like best end of your like playlist sort of thing. Like yeah. that's the only thing that we can use with our data right now, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's provided through a third party. Yep. Web3 world comes around streaming through Web3 and so forth. That is totally changed because all of a sudden there is a million other third parties that can actually be providing this for us now uh, and coming up with our own algorithms, our own kind of like <laughs> suggestion things versus just being beholden to whatever Apple Music or Spotify or another big player is actually providing for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's what's super interesting to me because at this point, like the discovery engine is really on like Spotify and Apple Music and some of these places. It's people that are making paid playlists, right? Like mm-hmm. down to even like I read an article uh, about TikTok recently, which like blew my mind. I'm an old man. I'm pushing 40. Like I don't TikTok. I wish I did. Like I, you know, it's just I. I wasn't really on social media until I got to Web3, right? Like, I've always just been kind of off the grid. Same. When it comes <laughs> yeah, so I'm learning, like, I'm learning how all this stuff works. Like, I'm learning, you know, uh, how to speak on these things. Like, TikTok, I think I made one video. But I read a really interesting thing about TikTok in that, um, you know, there are these TikTok curators out there where, like, artists and people who represent artists go to these TikTok curators, pay them to like highlight their music and like these people on TikTok are the ones who are like driving what's hot in music to the point of like there were stats where like I don't remember the names of the artists or anything like this is you know these are made up stats but but somewhere along the lines of it was like uh once these artists got highlighted by these specific curators on TikTok their stream numbers went up by like 15 to 20%. It was like a significant boost all because there's this one person who built a following on the social media app who may or may not even necessarily have great taste in music, right? Like, and they're being paid to push this and people go to TikTok as like, this is my guide to music. Um, That isn't, fair to the green you know, like i mean we can talk about fairness but like to me it's like that's that's not a good way to it's consume music right like it's a shortcut it's not a good way to consume music it's not a great way to build a following um it's just i, I for me i like i prefer organic uh interactions and organic music and like mm-hmm. i find music because i like it not because like someone on social media necessarily told me that so I think that's where we can start to get into a little bit more discoverability with, with web three is, um, you know, some of the tools and some of the resources that are going to start to come from, from that is uh, more, more honest and open curation, I think. So I think that's something to look forward to also. Something you said on there reminded me of, I don't know if I was reading an article or a tweet or something about how generative art, it's been around for decades, right? Since computers have been around, but it kind of found its home on, uh, in Web3 and on the blockchain. It's, and people are saying, well, generative art, is n- it's a crypto-native mm-hmm. p- art form. And I'm wondering, is there any, have you noticed anything in the music world? Like, is there a, a place for crypto-native music where it's just like, oh, this thing, it just makes sense to be on the blockchain? Because you like for generative art, you can prove provenance, um, you can prove rarity and all, all the, the benefits of, of NFTs there. You can mint it. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, maybe there's this world where something in music, you know, works kind of like that. 
Yeah, in terms of like it need like you mean in terms of like is there a specific type of music or a specific application where like it has to be on the blockchain? Maybe, yeah, yeah. And that's interesting because like there's there is a lot of discussion of like we can still sell stuff on iTunes, right? Like, does this music really need to be sold on the blockchain? Mm-hmm. Um, and I go through that on occasion of like, does it really need to be blockchain included? Like there are gas fees, there are, you know, wallets and all kinds of stuff that people shouldn't necessarily need to have to have to deal with. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So there's definitely things where I go through with that, but yeah, I mean, I think, I, I do think the, I think what it really comes down to is the verifiability and of, of the ownership, right. Is really one thing. Um, I think the, if we can, I hear a lot of artists complain about what everything that's going on with the secondary uh, royalties, right. Of like mm-hmm. marketplaces stripping royalties, marketplaces, putting them back in. Um, I hear a lot of artists say like, Hey, the reason I came or like one of the main reasons I came is because of the idea of like, building these secondary royalties and having these built in and having these kind of guarantees. And, the, and those aren't forcible in a smart contract. And as of right now, they're not enforceable on a smart contract. Right. Um, I'm not a dev. I'm a wishful thinker. Right. I'm, a, I'm one of the guys who says, Hey, Hey devs, I love you guys. Can you do this? And they're like, no, or yes. And like, yeah, that's going to be a lot of work. Right. So, you know, I'm totally making this up, but like, I do see, I do think there is a world where, um, those will be enforceable, right? Does it, mm. is it have to be built into a specific type of contract that you use? Maybe. Um, is it going to be just using the right types of marketplaces and like, you know, basically blacklisting NFTs from being sold on marketplaces that don't, that could be it too. Um, but for me, I think if that's important to the artists, it's something that is very important to figure out. Um, and you hear a lot of people say like, oh, well, traders and DGENs and flippers, like those are the ones who run Web3 right now. If they don't want to pay royalties, like we can't enforce it. Mm-hmm. I'm of the mindset of like, we don't want to hold to the flippers and the traders, right? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? We're here to support the arts. Like there are ways to do that without... Um, being beholden to the flippers and traders and people who don't want to people here. Let me not, let me rephrase that people here who do solely maximize profits, right? Yes, like, the speculative um, nature of NFTs. Yeah. And like, I think that's always going to be here, but we're already at the point where like, we're starting to see that shift out, right? Where the shift yep. is going to more like utility, more like use cases. What can we do with the technology? How do we give back to the people that own it? So I do think that's where like, really like the blockchain technology comes in is that that verification part on the blockchain that these people are who they say they are right mm-hmm. and that and the direct connections like i think that i think that does come with with the blockchain because it does eliminate those kind of third-party gatekeepers of the information so i do think that that's where it's very important that's like the major use case for me um and, you know, there could be more in the future that come up, but I think for me, those are the big ones that I say, like, this is why, like, this is why we would stick to this, um, is the secondary royalties seem very important. I do think there is going to be a way to solve it. It's just, it's not solved in two weeks of Twitter conversation. You know what I mean? Like, it's solved by, like, us sharing that this is important to us and then, like, basically putting putting the screws to the people who create the technology and say, like, hey, this is what we need, or finding the right people to build the marketplaces that we need. Um, so do you, do you think previously you were talking about middlemen and how in the web two or kind of like our current economic state right now, 
middlemen are kind of like how things happen. You know, Spotify could be considered one, Ticketmaster, yeah. obviously one, StubHub, et cetera. Do you think Web3 truly is like no middleman at all? Or do you think it's just like a smaller version of it? Because there's still some pieces of like royalties or other small fees that creep in and it ends up being like one or two or 3%. And it's funny because you think that there are no middlemen to then in the sense of like small businesses paying two or 3% to Visa and MasterCard and everybody freaking hates them. No one wants to pay that. So do you think that it's like the same thing or is it different? That's a good question, right? Because yeah, you know, we talk about middlemen, we talk about people taking a cut. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I'm a middleman, right? Like I am a dude in the middle of like an artist in trying to help them get their art into the hands of, you know, the people who are going to buy it. So like, yeah, at the end of the day, like I am a middleman and I will fully realize that. Um, and so, no, like, I don't think that's ever going to be cut out. Right. Like I think a lot of, I think a lot of people come here as artists, um, and I got to be careful about how I phrase this because I love the artists, right? Like, that's what I'm here for. I love the arts. But I think a lot of people come here thinking like, all right, great. This is all about like being the artist, being totally in control, doing everything on my own, never like having to pay anybody for anything. Um, and I'm just going to always go out and sell directly to consumer. You can do that. But like that's a ton of work. You're not necessarily going to have time to create. You're not necessarily going to have time. I mean, we already hear like artists complaining of like, well, my label told me I had to do X amount of pieces of content for TikTok. When do I have time to create? Okay. Well, you're going to come to web three and now you don't have those people to like do all the business stuff for you. So now you're a label, you're a business person, you're a developer, you're, you know, you're a technologist, you're all these things. So there's always going to be support people and people in the middle who are there to do things you don't know how to do. Uh, so no, I don't think it completely gets rid of that. For me, it's more about, you know, as for Web3, how do we take this reliance on middlemen, but middlemen who are really, you know, they're the behemoth, right? Like they're not really the middlemen. Like they're really the ones running the business. We're actually kind of the middlemen in that situation. So um, is, is what you're saying that, the middleman, the intermediary in today's world is really centralized versus the one in Web3. It still exists, but it's decentralized at that point. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a decentralization of resources. Um, it's taking it from these central powers and being able to say like, hey, you know, it really is the artist's duty. It's really the artist's business. They own their contracts, right? They're not giving their music away to some third party to say, hey, I need you to do something with this. It's more of bringing in decentralized uh, you know, players to say like, hey, can you help me with this? So like for me, for my instance, um, I could very easily get connected with an artist um, and they say, hey, I've got this one project that I want to work on. Can you help me with this one project? I will pay you, you know, X percent, five, 10 percent, whatever it is to help me with marketing, help me with running Twitter spaces, just be a voice for me while I do these other things. And then we can build that into one contract, right? And then the very next project, they could very well say, okay, great. Well, that worked out fine, but now I'm gonna go do it on my own and just create a new smart contract for that, right? Um, you can't do that with a record label. You can't do that with Spotify. So it's really more about putting the, 
power back into the hands of the artists and decentralizing out the middleman as opposed to the opposite. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a while ago that you were part of this community called Superfest, yeah. and Thomas and I actually interviewed Corey. Um, I can't recall his last name, but Corey, one of the, I think yeah, he's one Corey of the founders. Yeah, yeah, Corey Nako. Um, yeah. It was an awesome conversation uh, learning about everything there. What is your kind of involvement in Superfest? And could you explain what Superfest is to those who don't know? Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you a quick pitch on Superfest. So Superfest is the world's first decentralized uh, music festival community. So it was started by the founders of uh, Superfly. So uh, Superfly Productions created Bonnaroo. They created Outside Lands. They basically uh, created the modern music festival industry here in the United States. Um, you know, Coachella, everything else that kind of been built out of that. Um, in my opinion, I'm sure the people at Coachella would probably, probably argue that a little bit. But um, so basically what they did is they saw this uh, opportunity for, you know, decentralizing how we build events and building music festivals and getting people involved in a community. So they launched this project where you can buy a member's pass, a founder's pass. Um, and that gives you voting rights into like, what kind of events are we going to do? Um, gives us access to a community treasury where we can put in proposals to, you know, throw our own events, uh, do one thing, do things like go on field trips, they call them, which is basically pay for us to go to music festivals and like spread the word. Um, which I actually like just got back from one a couple of weeks ago with, with about seven other people in the community that I had never met before. So, you know, really, you know, high level, you know, decentralized festival organization, building festivals, building community, um, creating new art, highlighting, you know, uh, music and art creators in the web three space and, uh, you know, really growing our own kind of music industry from there more or less. Um, but still centered around some of the same, principles and, and players that have been there before. So, mm-hmm. um, so my involvement with that is, um, you know, I came in as a community member. I came in as a big music festival person. Like I went to the first three Bonnaroo's. So when I saw these guys show up, I was like, Oh, Bonnaroo, like I know them very well. Um, and you can't prove that on chain. Can you? And I can't prove that on chain. <laughs> no. And that's the thing. I can't prove that on chain. I don't even have my ticket stubs anymore. You know, that was, 20, that was 20 years ago. Um, you know, I can't prove that I was there. Um, and I don't have any pictures anymore cause that was 20 years ago. So, <laughs> you know, so I can't prove it and I just have to go off of, uh, you know, they have to trust me. Um, but you know, so I came in and I ended up on a Twitter space with them one day, um, with a community that I was involved with. And, you know, I did what I did. It was like, I just get up, grab the mic and I'm like, Hey guys, like if you aren't paying attention, like here's what Bonnaroo is, here's what this event is, and kind of like hyped it up. So next thing I know, I'm talking to Corey, um, and he's like, "Yo, you need like you need to get involved. You need to come into the community." So like right now, I'm a pass holder. Um, you know, I hold a handful of passes, so I'm part of the, the founders community. Um, and then I do some work for them with like helping out with some of the artist stuff. You know, I connected uh, about nine or ten artists in on their artist founder lineup. Um, some who are like really Web3 native, some who are like bigger names, but have also started utilizing Web3, like, you know, Polish Ambassador, uh, Grace Weber, a couple other artists like that. Um, and then the Web3 natives, like, you know, my good friend Jack Frost, you know, Alien DJ, uh, Zan, Cam Murdoch, Charm Taylor, you know, a bunch of really great artists brought them in and basically said like, hey, let's connect with this community. Let's start doing events with them. Um so, you know, I help put on like Discord concerts every uh, every couple of days and you know, we bring artists in and 
you know, provide, uh, you know, content and, uh, you know, music to the community. Um, I run some metaverse concerts with them where, you know, I'll bring in artists into Decentraland and, uh, bring the community in and, uh, you know, just some like event planning stuff. You know, I'm just trying to find out, you know, the interesting thing about it is you can kind of find your niche in the community and just start chipping in. Um, mm-hmm. they're looking to pay community members, you know, they're looking to get people involved to help push this. So if you can show up and highlight like, Hey, I have some skills that I want to work. Um, there's room for people to get involved. Um, you know, we're planning our Basel party right now in a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, we've been able to be heavily involved with that in terms of, you know, helping, uh, you know, helping drive some artist discussions, helping drive, uh, some housing discussions, you know, they're paying for, uh, us to go, you know, rent some houses together, you know, about 30 or 40 of us in the community using some treasury money for that. So, you know, we're just pushing, having a big party, looking to grow the community and, you know, at the end of the day, we're looking to basically throw our own music events with a Web3 twist, but that are still open to, like, the general public to come and, like, come to these events just like it's a normal music festival. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of interesting things happening there. Yeah, that's cool. There's a lot in there that I want to ask about. So Yeah, for uh, So kind of going back to – so you said you're a, a pass holder, so you have – a handful of passes. Can you explain, <laughs> can you explain why? Cause I didn't realize like, what's the benefit of owning multiple passes? So good question. Um, so, you know, everything just like with all web three things change, things shift. Um, mm-hmm. but the idea is for a lot of these events that may happen, one pass equals one ticket to the event. Um, So for me, like I've got a wife, I've got a kid, they go to events with me, you know, I bought a pass for her. Um, Okay. And then down the line, like there are, so there's new technologies coming and, well, I mean, they're here, but we just haven't used them at Superfest, but there's uh, new technologies in uh, ERC smart contracts where you can add rentable wrappers to Mm. NFTs. Um, So... And Supervest hasn't implemented this, but there's like been some discussion with partners who create this of like ways to go in, wrap your NFT. If I can't go to an event, I could then rent it out to someone in the future who does want to go who may not be a pass holder. And then Um, you can make some money on it and then it just gets sent back to your wallet when it's done. Exactly. Exactly. And so the way these smart contracts work, my understanding is um, you basically put it up for an auction. Um, You say this is the amount of time I'm willing to rent it out for. You know, here's kind of what my starting bid is. Um, and then, you know, uh, people who, who want to rent it can go out and kind of bid on it, goes to the, you know, winning bidders uh, wallet. And then once the event is over, once the, you know, agreed upon time frame is uh, passed, it just automatically gets sent back to your wallet is my understanding. Mm. Yeah, um, that's cool. So, yeah. So, and then also like there's only a limited number of these passes too. Like some of it is a bit of a, a financial gamble more or less yeah, like, so the specula- oh, yeah speculation yeah, there's, there is a speculative nature to these passes too because you know the they've said you know the anybody who mints a pass before the end of this year so before the end of 2022 your passes will have special benefits on them and extra utility added to events in the future than people who buy after the new year um so there's also like incentive to buy a couple extra passes um and it, i mean for me it is just you know there's 3,333 passes. Once those are sold out, you know, my understanding is those are sold out. If we're going to continue to add benefits and this is a very long-term business, which to me, I mm-hmm. think it is like, 
I should be able to maybe sell those at some point in the future if I want to. Um, For sure. Or just have more to run out, right? Like if that all comes to fruition. So yeah. And can you kind of talk through like what's the incentive? So you're a community member, you know, your contributor. What's the incentive for you to like put all this work into Superfest? Like, are you getting paid, or is it just because you love music? So I do get paid a little bit. Um, they do they do pay me um, to do some of the work that I'm doing. Um, and then I mean, part of it is like I've always had the. So I think actually this is a good point for me to take a step back and talk about like why I got into kind of like why I got into web three, right? Like why Superfest really kind of became appealing to me. Um, you know, even though I was a financial advisor for a long time, I didn't love being a financial advisor, no surprise. Um, you know, I mean, that kind of corporate world was never really like my dream or my goal. It's just something that, you know, you stumble into, you know, due to circumstances and I have to be very good at it. Um, but as a lot of things happen during, you know, the pandemic and everybody trapped at home and you go through changes, you start to realize like, oh man, like this really isn't for me. Like this isn't what I'm looking for. I've always been a guy who's been going to music festivals my whole life. You know, like music has always kind of been the idea of like, always having the back of mind of like, I want to throw my own festival. I could probably figure this out. Like I've been in business, you know, I've run, you know, run, run, you know, sales and conversations and, you know, General, you know, you can, you can learn the business, right? Like, so I've always had the dream of like, how do I get into this? And then Web3 and Superfest starts to pop up and it's like, oh, this is how I get into this. Um, they're also hiring people, right? So they're very open about the fact of like the people who show up and help drive these things every day are the people who are going to get most rewarded for this as we grow. Um, plus, I'm just able to put my own stamp on like these events and start to have the resources to do what I want to do. Um, as well as like 80% of the mint from the tickets goes into a community treasury um, that we then have access to put proposals into. Um, I mean, for me straight up, like the more I'm active than the more people know me, more likely I'm going to get people to, you know, vote for my proposals. Right. So um, I mean, really for me, it's a long-term business play of like, this is what I see myself doing. I knew, I know Superfly as a company for a very long time. They have a huge track record of success in the live event space. So for me, it's like, why wouldn't I bank on, out of anybody I've seen in Web3, why wouldn't I bank on these guys in this place to do it? Um, so for me, like, that's, a, that's why I really put in so much, so much effort and emphasis on what they're doing. I just believe in the, I believe in the mission and I see the opportunity for me as a business creator too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, look, kind of looking forward in Superfest. Is there anything that you're you're really excited about that's coming up, or maybe not even if if you know, I don't know if it's there's things or features that have haven't been decided that you're like, ooh, this would be really cool if we could do it. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, I mean, the first one is Art Basel, right? Like that's right around the corner. Um, yep. There is a mansion rented on Hibiscus Island, uh, holds 500 people. Oh We've got a bunch of sponsors involved. Yeah, got a bunch of sponsors involved. You know, some big sponsors from the NFT space, some you know big food and beverage sponsors, and um, you know basically it's going to be a blowout with a bunch of artists, a um, bunch of people that. What's really interesting to me is there was a handful of tickets reserved for the community. A lot of the tickets are going to sponsors to get people in. So, like for me that's a huge opportunity to get what we're doing in front of a bunch of people who may not know what Superfest is yet or like why Superfest, right? Um, so Basil, extremely excited. Um, 
we're also looking at doing like a community pool party at one of the houses we're staying at too. So like we're doing some programming of some music and some community artists in. Um, so I think Basel is going to be a huge, huge, huge opportunity for us. Um, and then for me, festival season next year. Um, these field trips. So I went on the first field trip. You know, we went to a music festival called uh, Halloween here in Florida where I'm from. It's, uh, you know, it's basically, it's my home festival I go every year. Um, you know, big arts, music, you know, all kinds of crazy art installations everywhere. You know, it's the type of fest that, like, if you're going to throw a festival, this is one you look at and you're like, I would like to emulate some of the things that they do. Um, so we were able to gather up eight people, go to this music festival. They paid our way for the tickets. Um, we went out, we did some renegade marketing. You know, we dressed up in, in outfits. You know, it's around Halloween. So we dressed up in, you know, like builder construction outfits. We were handing out stickers with QR codes. Um and really just doing like guerrilla web three onboarding with people, um, mm -hmm. set up a table. We were giving out, you know, watermelon with fireball shots and at all kinds of stuff. Um, uh, and just spread the word. Right. And so like we got home and we had 50 people that had signed up for a raffle, uh, to win a super pass, but also we were able to gather a bunch of their data and say like, Hey, we're going to contact you and teach you a little bit more about this. So for me, like that was a huge test case to like, we got there, we got a ton of interest, met a bunch of people who don't know what Web3 is. So like that pitch changed a little bit, um, knew some people who did know. But for me, like that was the one we've done that I felt was hugely successful. Um, and it's the only field trip we've done so far. Um, to me, like we are now in the depths of starting that planning for next year. Um, that's where I think things are going to get really interesting and really exciting is like, how do we send people out to these events and how are we going to approach onboarding people from the music festival scene that don't know what we are, you know, don't know what web three is and music mm -hmm. and MTs in this whole scene. So that's where I see the biggest opportunity is like how we grow this thing is we're taking it to the streets to the people who don't know what we are. You know, it's different than being on Twitter and mm -hmm. like, you know, what we talk about where the people reach out to you, like we're going and having conversations with people who have no idea what this is. Um, but they're excited about it. Like everybody I talked to was very excited about it. So, Previously, when you answered the question of the reason people come to you is for the money, now we also know it's for um, shots of fireball with watermelon. Shots of fireball and yeah. water. Exactly. It's <laughs> yeah. stickers. People yeah. love stickers. So. And stickers. Um, talked, uh, so when we spoke with Corey, he, he had an interesting take on community because he was almost okay with community being small because there's so much to figure out. And you kept on talking about wanting to grow the community. What yeah. do you think is the right rate of growth for the community? And then how big do you actually want it to get? Do you want it to just like, boom, stop at 3,333 like passes? Or do you think it could be bigger than that? Or do we just want to keep it small? Um, so yeah, just love to hear about that. That's a good question. Cause it's, it's growth is such an interesting topic in the space because like, yeah, everybody has been one like, Oh, we need to onboard people. We need to get more people here. We need to grow this, grow, 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 like as Web3 as a whole. Well, a lot of the reason why we're starting to look at that is like, oh, because we need people to buy those NFTs from us so we could get rid of them, right? Like, um, but for us now, yeah, exactly, right? Like, but for us now, it's, I think, a little bit different because, like, we've got something we're trying to build. We do need to bring people, more people in and grow it, but you don't want to grow too fast because you always run the risk of losing the culture, right? Um, so for us, you know, one thing, and, and you guys probably learned this from Corey, but like, yo, there was a specific mint window 
where you know we minted for a certain amount of time once it got to that time even though it wasn't sold up sold out you know we cut the sales just so we can start to move forward um the interesting thing is those passes um the remaining passes they weren't burnt they just got sent to a community wallet you know the community treasury where now it's up to us to figure out like how do we want to onboard people who do we want to onboard you know who are these passes going to get sold to um because you know they're not inexpensive this isn't like a 0.02 you know pfp nft you know it is mm-hmm. a utility pass that has a cost to it um so it does take the right type of person um so i think for us it's it's you don't want to grow too fast right like right now i think with the smaller amount of contributors that we have um it's nice because we're really able to build like what are our baseline ideals mm-hmm. what do we want to be known for um you know we have our uh, our core values you know there's a full list of core values of like these are the things that we really believe in and we voted on those as a community so i think starting off in a smaller pace right now has actually allowed us to um is going to allow us to be more successful than if maybe even if we completely mint it out um because like what will happen you know i think we all know is when you have a project that's like a fast mint out and you know it sells out in a day two days like whatever it is there you've got a lot of people there who are for certain expectations of how can I make money as fast as possible on this. Mm-hmm. Um, we already know that our community isn't there for a quick flip or to make money as fast as possible. Like the people we have are dedicated to growing this. Um, and I think that's important because now we can grow, but we can do it very organically where it's like, we're basically hand to hand onboarding people, right? Of like, Hey, let me introduce myself to you. Here's what we do and here's what we are. That's more valuable to me, honestly, than going out and like just doing a Twitter space and saying like, hey, all the DGens get in here and buy this because like we hope it's going to go up in value. So for me, like, yeah, we need growth. We need more community members. But like we're also at the point where like I don't think we really – it's not like 100% necessary to our core mission today to get to a certain number. So I do think we have a bit of a luxury of being able to kind of handpick and be very choosy in how we onboard people. So um, you basically Superfest started as a small, really small group of people that said, we want to grow this. They grew it to a certain point and said, stop, let's take mm-hmm. a, let's, let's check ourselves. Let's take a break and see like what's actually happening. Let mm-hmm. the culture develop and yeah. then say, okay, now since we've like developed this culture, we've solidified what our community is, we've identified our values, now we can, as a community, start to onboard more people but at our pace because our values might be different than those that are here just for financial gains or other pieces of the music industry. And then you can decide how you actually bring those people on and when mm-hmm. or if. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. Um, I mean, one thing that they've just done is, you know, basically we released 100 tickets out of that treasury. Um, and you're going to be able to go buy those 100, 100 tickets or 100 founders passes. Um, so, like, we're going to be rolling them out in smaller batches. You know, we may have specific sizes built for, like, specific events where it's like, okay, hey, we have a strategy how we're going to sell these specific passes. Um, and that's one thing, like, with my sales background that I've taken, you know, a bit of a interest in is, like, how do we how do we sell these passes how do we onboard how do we grow the community in the right way and like what's the right price to even sell these at um you know the nice thing about having you know it's like something like 16 1700 passes that we can do something with i see a world where we don't necessarily sell all those passes right like 
And I think that's a major difference with Web3 and like a community project like this is you're going to have people who think like that, where a lot of times with like your greater music festival or, you know, any, any company outside of kind of this community approach, they're going to have people who are immediately thinking, how do we take those 17 hundred passes and what is the absolute most we can sell those for and still sell them? And we don't care who we're going to sell those to, right? Um, but that's typically for a one-time event if we're looking at festivals. That's like, we just want to get them in the door. And then, you know, three days after that event starts, we want them gone as fast as possible. And then we're going to do it again next year. Um, for Superfest, these are people you want to buy these tickets that like, you want these people to stay year over year and grow and build this with you, right? So um, there is some thought around like, how do we bring people in who are, may not be web three people who may not even necessarily be able to afford to come buy this NFT, but they're valuable, right? Like they are valuable to maybe they're people who are, you know, the guy who's really good at parking cars at a music festival, right? Like I know some people like that and like, that's what they do for a living. And they know, you know, they're good at, you know, putting together, you know, a campground and kind of seeing where people are supposed to go. Like, those are the kind of people we need, right? Like, um, cause I see it as being a community where we can do a lot of this stuff in house instead of having to like farm out work to like, Hey, this crew over here typically does X, Y, and Z at every festival. Like, I just think there's an opportunity to do a lot of this in house in our own community. And it might be some of those people, but like we can find a way to bring them in and maybe not actually charge them for this. So I think that's one thing super that's super self-sustainable. Yeah, exactly. Like, how do we get a little more self-sustainable where, like, when the money comes in, it stays in the community, we earn it from these events, and, you know, not necessarily have to worry about going out and, like, finding people that we don't necessarily know, like, are they going to be good at what they do? Are they going to care? Because, um, like, a lot of what, I mean, I think a lot of what we see these day and age is it's, like, it's hard to get people to care about being good at what they do um, for a ton of reasons that we don't necessarily need to go into, but like, you know, the pandemic, you know, just the way corporations and business works these days, like that's where I think kind of the crux of the web three community comes in is like people who are thinking about a community mind and thinking about it in the right way and how do we build together? That's where the success is going to come in. And to me, like that's the real crux of web three is, is not so much directly the money, but like, how do we earn this money together? And how do we, how do we, how do we do it in a way that empowers the people who are working and less so the people who are sitting and just collecting the checks from, from the top. Right. Like to me, that's really where what Web3 mm -hmm. comes down to. This, this reminds me of like uh, shopping local uh, and how you keep the community like dollars in the community, yeah. but um, we're not bound by physical boundaries anymore. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I love that. It's very much like the shop local mentality of like, Hey, give them, give the dollar to your neighbor instead of giving the dollar to, you know, the guy who has, you know, 10 billion of them already. Like, yeah. <laughs> Before we uh, wrap up here, I'm curious what other aspects of web three you're in. You mentioned Decentraland at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, can, can you kind of explain what Decentraland is and uh, what you do there? Yeah, so Decentraland is a metaverse community. Decentraland is its own metaverse. Um, it was one of the first, if not the first, on the blockchain. Um, and, you know, 
basically it is a community where there's a lot of people who live there they work there you know they build their businesses and you know hold their events and have their parties in this online metaverse world and when you say metaverse do you mean vr so no so they they're not actually vr based quite yet um okay. everything yeah. that they do is uh, like browser based on you know like a laptop or a desktop um and they also have their own um you know application for desktop and laptop as well um I know they're rolling out. I think they're working on VR. You know, there's going to be some mobile applications, but like right now, it's all just you know, it's like a computer game. You know, it's almost like The Sims. Um, so you know, very much like The Sims. You know, you dress your characters up, be like all kinds of crazy wearables. Um, but you know, there's a lot of you know economies. There's games, play to earn games. You know, all kinds of different things that people do. But how I got involved with it is on the music side. Um, you know, about a year ago, I got invited to Decentraland. Someone said, hey, will you come to this Metaverse concert with us? And I said, no, I won't do that because <laughs> I like going to real concerts and I'm almost 40 and like I don't play video games. So no, I probably won't do that with you. Um, my wife will make fun of me. And they said, oh, come on, it'll be fun. You'll see some cool music. And I said, all right, fine, let's try it. So I load up, go into this, you know, Decentraland Metaverse experience, and there's like 50 people, you know, 100 people, 50 to 100 people in this room all dressed up. There's a chat box. They're all chatting, talking to each other, um, and on comes the music, and there's, you know, this crazy artist who I'm now really good friends with, NFT, uh, basically playing this giant wall of modular synths. Um, making all kinds of crazy music and racket, moving these cables all over. And I'm just like, what is, what is this? Where am I? Um, what is this amazing music? Because I do, you know, like weirder music. Um, I'm like, what is this? Who are these people? And I had an absolute blast. Um, I was in there the next day, um, went to another show, met, you know, Jack Frost, the alien DJ, who's now basically like my best friend, business partner, guy that I do a bunch of Twitter spaces with. And like, I really just kind of fell in love because it was, um, for me, this was, so this was early, so this has been late 2021, you know, been a couple years in the pandemic, you know, missed a lot of live concerts, had been watching live streams, you know, whatever, YouTube, all these different, um, you know, all these different events. And there's always that one thing missing of like, okay, I'm just sitting here watching this. And it has always been that connection with the other people, right? And like, sharing the music and sharing the experience with others that's what decentralized of these metaverse concerts provided that mm. your regular live stream did not was meeting new people and having those conversations and, and you know, partying with others basically um so since then i've been working with artists to throw metaverse concerts in decentraland um you know jack has been doing one every week for almost a year now um and have done a few different music festivals inside of there. Did a, a, a two Latin music festival, uh, two Latin music festival days with Latino Society and some partners of mine where we had a bunch of Latin artists come and perform. Um, they had the big Metaverse Music Festival last week, which was uh, 15 stages. You know, had artists like Ozzy Osbourne, uh, Soldier Boy. Um, trying to think of who else was there. Bjork was the headliner. Um and there was a stage that was a community organized stage where you know, they basically brought in some sponsors and said, hey, we want artists who have been performing in Decentraland over the past couple of years. We want people who have been throwing events to help curate these stages. So 
you know, I was actually able to get a stage for the day last Saturday and program, uh, it was four hours worth of music and you know, basically run a fresh maker industry stage for the fest. So huge opportunity, you know, had a blast and, uh, you know, that's just what we're doing now. You know, one of the things, you know, to kind of loop it in with Superfest, that's one of the things that I'm looking to build with Superfest. And we've had some discussions around is this idea of, um, you know, one of the values is always on tour, which basically means like we want to live life as if, you know, we're always going to music festivals. We're always going to events, you know, Superfest is for the people that like, that's what they want to do forever. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, with the majority of their time, um, well, we know with life responsibilities, you know, people aren't always going to be able to be on tour. There's a huge opportunity for this to be like the metaverse always on tour and start to come up with new experiences for Superfest that kind of tie in with what we're doing in, in real life. Be able to include some of the people who can't always get out and go do the always on tour thing. So um, for me, you know, I think the metaverse is a huge opportunity for artists to, you know, build building new careers, build new fan bases, meet people from all over the world and uh, you know, new collaborations with new artists too. I mean, you're seeing a, a artists have a good amount of success there in Decentraland. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, we'll have to check those out. I haven't been to a Decentraland concert yet, so oh, we'll get that. we'll get you in there. Don't worry. We got <laughs> um, cool. Well, Thomas, do you have any last minute questions? I think we're about at time. No, I'm all good. Great. Well, Doug, D Fresh, thank you so much for being in the show. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, I had an absolute pleasure. You know, it's been great uh, being here with you guys. You know, check out Superfest. Come check out what we're doing in Decentraland. Plenty of great artists out there. So thank you guys so much. It's been a blast.